Hello and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy. And I am not Jennifer Culp. I am Samantha and I am your replacement host for the day because we are doing a very special year-end Avatar The Way of Water episode featuring recurring, frequent, and future guest Abby Montiel, who writes for the internet and has seen Avatar. <laughs> Hello, That's Abby. Beautiful, back. beautiful introduction. Hi, I'm so and, excited. And we, you brought a friend with you uh, I, to the podcast. I did. I brought my dear friend and fellow Kate Winslet as Ronal enthusiast, Kate, who is also, Hello. yeah, we're ready to get wet. Um, Welcome, Kate, to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast that I don't usually do the introduction for, so I apologize for (laughs) stumbling through it. And we're here to talk about Avatar, the big blue movie, which as of this recording just crossed the $1 billion mark at the box office. Hell yeah. Ah, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, Kate, before Abby summarizes, uh, you said before we recorded that you were the biggest avatar head on planet Earth. Tell me a little bit about your, your background with the Navi. You know, I truly don't know. I was trying to figure out like where this came from. Um, Cause like a year ago, maybe a little over that Abby came over to my apartment. And for some reason we got caught up watching um, the Disney plus series secrets of the whales, which yes. is just like, uh, it's just like a, a Nat Geo docuseries um, with Sigourney Weaver narrating all about whales. And at the end of every episode, James Cameron shows up and he starts talking about Avatar 2. And he's like, here are all the different things with whales I've done in Avatar 2. And I think that's kind of the origin story of us being like, me and Abby, that is, um, being like, let's get really into the Avatar sequels. And since then, it's kind of been impossible to tell how sincere my enthusiasm is for this. But I think it's mostly at this point. Um, I don't know. Loved loved going uh, on my Navi river journey. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. Um, It's also very interesting because I thought it was just a bit because like we all know James Cameron, he's a wet boy. He likes those whales. So we thought it was just some weird thing where like he's always kind of on any given day, he might be at the bottom of the ocean just sitting on the dock of the Titanic. But then when I saw this movie, I realized it was all just like a really long buildup and we actually got to learn the whale's secrets and that kind of changed everything for me. We also got very into the shout out Jenny Nicholson. She did a video all about Avatar World at Disney World and um, all the different rides and there's a very ominous thread throughout that whole I think it's like an hour and a half long it should be on Letterboxd video where there are no actual Na'vi present at Disney World because they didn't want to have people on stilts Um, there's just one animatronic on the rides and they're like yeah all the humans worked it out with the Na'vi it's fine they're just nowhere to be found which I think it's extra ominous after watching this movie but yeah it started off as kind of ironic like a year ago the only image from this movie was a picture of spider like a white kid dreads and we're like oh big jim's big jim's really done it now but i think it's gotten very affectionate as the year has gone on and it's nice to see like a non-marvel movie where people aren't forbidden from seeing their families for two months to do vfx and stuff like i don't like any billionaires but i feel like if, if there have to be billionaires one that's just like in submarines or making like weird blue people movies i would prefer that to a lot of them yeah, yeah I, think- I like a big blockbuster 
blockbuster movie where where the human military is the enemy and gets repeatedly just like gored with arrows. Yeah. Uh, that's a great contrast to blockbuster movies where like the Air Force is like literally like funding it or something. And they they have to like get Pentagon approval to wear the right uniforms or something, which I definitely noted in Avatar. I mean, obviously, this is like far future global Earth military, but uh, yeah, I don't think the DoD was consulted on no. on Avatar: Way of Water. And sure, you can get into the problematic aspects of Avatar, like the kind of like white liberal savior fantasy, which like there's more Navi in this one, but it's better than like like what was one of the other top movies this year, like Top Gun, which was a fun popcorn movie like i know everyone loves it but they're like we're gonna steal the plans from this terrible enemy we won't say who though because that could get a little murky so it's not that yeah i yeah. just feel like the thing for so long like was everyone for like a decade was like you can't even name a character from avatar and like me being like dumb and reactionary i was like well fuck you i'm gonna learn all the characters from avatar and get really into this and download then when- the navi app I do have the app on my phone that um, it has like the dictionary and all the translations and that stuff. Um, And it's kind of unusable, but I'm not deleting it. Um, But I feel like just as we got closer to it, I was like, oh, this is a real movie that's going to come out that I'm genuinely excited for at this point. Um, And yeah, I feel like it mostly delivered. I was very satisfied by the end. Yeah, we are one with the mighty Tolkien. Absolutely. I'm so sorry. Sorry. I texted Abby as soon as it ended. I was like, we have been so vindicated for watching Secrets <laughs> of the Whales. No, Secrets of the Whales enjoyers know. Like, they got the first glimpse into this. Yeah, that was like Avatar 1.5, it sounds like. Um <laughs> I like again Abby you'll summarize in a second I'm sure but I will say my history with it going in was I didn't really like the first one I thought it was a great technical achievement it was very pretty to look at my older brother was transfixed by it and like uh, honestly could could have been one of the John Wilson support group people uh, in an alternate universe uh, like he was he fell that deep down the rabbit hole and I guess I kind of didn't like it for like the like savior fantasy aspects of one but also because so much of it had that like Harry Potter one syndrome where it's just like all the characters just reacting to how amazing everything <laughs> is like th- that doesn't do it for me like if something is amazing looking I just want that to be self-evident to me the viewer I don't want to watch uh, an avatar if you will, uh, like have that reaction for me. So I was kind of like, okay, that was pretty to look at. And I agreed to go see the second one because, you know, it's a cinematic event. I wanted to go with my brother and uh, experience the joy with him. And now I know all of their names because I really liked the second one. And I'll say more after Abby says, what happened in Avatar, The Way of Water? Hell yeah. Should I do the plot? Please. Okay. So Avatar, three-hour epic, a lot goes on. We're not going to summarize all that. If you know, you know. 
But Avatar The Way of Water picks up about 14 years after the Na'vi have successfully made the evil human RDA leave the distant moon of Pandora. And Jake Sully, Tarukmukto, we all know this, um, is now, has gone from being a human plugged into an avatar to living full time as an avatar Na'vi. He's the chief of the Ometikaya clan. And him and Neytiri, who's like the shaman, have a bunch of kids. They have Neteum, who's the oldest, kind of boring, golden child son. Woak, who's kind of desperate to prove himself, middle child, daddy issues, all of that. Tuk, who's the little daughter. And they also have an adopted older daughter named Kiri, who was born from Dr. Grace Augustine's brain-dead avatar sometime after the events of the first movie. And James Cameron's just like, you just gotta go with it. Like, it's fine. And there's also a human boy named Spider, who is the son of the evil Miles Korich from Avatar 1. And he was a baby when the rebellion happened, so he was too young to get sent back to Earth and cryo, so he's kind of like a wannabe Navi, got dreads, he's 14 with a six-pack, paints himself blue. It's a whole thing, and um, everything's going pretty well, and then the Navi discovered that the RDA has returned because Earth is dying. It's kind of shitty, and so they want to colonize Pandora so that the humans can live there. And among the new RDA arrivals are people called recombents who are Navi avatars who've been implanted with the memories of deceased RDA soldiers, including Korich, who is Spider's biological father. So Jake and the rest of the Medikaya are leading these guerrilla campaigns against the RDA, but things get kind of serious when Korich and his soldiers get kidnap a bunch of Jake and Atiri's kids and Jake realizes he's not going to stop. He's going to keep going for the family so they decide to renounce all of their titles and relocate to the ocean part of the planet and seek refuge with the Metkayina who are like a reef people clan. They got thick tails. They got webbed hands. The real deal. So after some reluctance from the chief Tonawari and his wife Rona aka Kate Winslet, they decide to learn the way, the way of water if you will. And Loak the middle son is kind of having a hard time along with Kiri they both have five fingers fingers are weirdly really important in this movie because the Navi have four fingers the avatars and like the avatar hybrids have five he's still kind of feeling like he can't please his dad he's not in the right place until one day as the Medikaina kids are kind of being punks to him except for the daughter Soraya he meets this giant whale alien aka the Tolkun named Payakin and Payakin's kind of the bad boy he um was cast out because they're like, oh, he killed members of a species, and that's really taboo for the Tolkun. Meanwhile, Kiri, who has this kind of special connection with nature, plugs into the mother tree, which is how Navi talked to Ewa, who's like their deity. She sees her mom, human Sigourney Weaver, and then Avatar Sigourney Weaver once again wearing the Stanford tank top in Navi size, which I love. And she suddenly has a seizure, and they're like, she has epilepsy, but you get the feeling that she might have power which she uses later in the movie when Korich and his soldiers figure out that Jake and the rest of the Sully's are hiding out with the Metkayina. He eventually finds them and we learned that the Tolkun, they basically have like really special sacred bonds with the Metkayina Navi. They are like family and to send a message 
um, Korich kills Kate Winslet, Ronald, Tolkoon, and her baby. So that kind of shit gets real. And eventually, Moak, Saray, and Toot get captured by Korich. So they set out to confront the humans. Spider is also there. And he's kind of been bonding with Korich reluctantly as he kind of like shows them how to be Navi. And Korich is kind of into it, but he can't really say that because it goes against like his human self. And then while they're on the boat, um, Loak and Nateyan manage to rescue a bunch of the people, but they go back for Spider. Nateyan is fatally wounded. He is kind of the least interesting of the kids. So like, sorry, it could be worse, but very devastating for the family. So they go back and try to rescue Kiri and Tuk, who are still captive. Neytiri, still suffering from grief, grabs Spider and offers a son for a son because she's never been too crazy about Spider because he reminds them of like all the humans who colonized Pandora. And she doesn't manage to. Spider begs him to let him go. They escape. Um, Jake and Korich are fighting. Neytiri and Tuk are trapped in like a hallway blocked off in the ship. Also Pakayan, who ended up being justified in like attacking the RDA and the bad guys. He killed a bunch of his family. He fucks up the ship. It's sinking Titanic style. Everything seems real bad. And then Loak saves Jake and Kiri manages to save her mother Neytiri and Tuk. And they decide we're not going to run anymore. We're going to commit to being part of the Metkayina and learn the way of water. They're sea people now. So they bury Nateam. Spider kind of officially joins the family, but him and Kiri kind of flirty vibes, which like get a job, stay away from her. Jake and Natiri go to plug into the tree and Jake's eyes open like the last shot of the original Avatar. What's going to happen? I don't know. Also, Edie Falco is in a mech suit drinking coffee. It's a good movie. And Spider um, saves, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's his face? Korich, Spider the saves general. the Avatar Korich, which he's a little bit of a punk. Like he's not... Yeah. I know he's technically his dad, but that sets out some more conflict. But I think I got most of it. An hour of it is just vibing with the whales, so I tried. That was, like, actually seriously impressive (laughs) that you did a three-hour movie that way. Yeah, if Spider had slipped uh, hopping around the Heavenly Forest, uh, I would... I might not have been mad about it. I don't know. I mean, I think he serves an essential plot purpose. But I, uh, I think oh. the character, like, as a concept is really interesting, especially in a movie that talks so much about, like, family and, like, being part of this specific community and what that means. But that's the one performance that kind of wasn't gelling for me. And also, like, I don't really need to see, like, a Rasta kid saying bro every 10 minutes. So good concept. Yeah. The execution is on thin ice for now. That was one of my major I feel, things. I feel like half of his lines are dipshit. He, he's just saying the word dipshit like constantly when he's like chastising the, the recumbents. Um, Abby, well done. I give your summary um, a rating of five out of five Tolkien's. But what did you, you think of the movie itself? I really liked it. I had seen, I didn't see the original Avatar in theaters. I don't really know why. My family wasn't really into it. My friends didn't really want to sit through it. So I saw it for the first time at home, which it does not have the same sauce. And for a while, I was also bought into those kind of bad faith. You can't name a single character, no cultural legacy. But I 
as it got closer, I started to kind of respect that it was taking these big swings for like original storytelling. And even though there are threads left, it did feel very much like a a contained story, which I don't really feel for blockbusters, especially when like, oh, this and this are setting up this Disney Plus series that you have to watch to understand like two more Marvel movies or Star Wars shows or whatever. So I was really excited to get to dig into the lore of this big new sci-fi franchise that is very genuine. I like a lot of Cameron movies. I love Titanic. So the third act was right up my alley. And I was pretty impressed. Like, I think the water stuff looks amazing. I'm still kind of neutral on the high frame rate stuff, but it honestly slapped. Like, I was so fully immersed. I actually, I think the story, it went a long way to kind of like, yeah, there could be a few too many characters, but I find most, I found myself really attached to like all the different family relationships and like the environmentalist message. I think James has come a long way and would watch again. Yeah, I will say on a rewatch when I'm not just trying to like learn the kids' names and personalities, uh, it's like it's a lot easier. You, yeah. I went into the second viewing so much more relaxed because I wasn't trying to absorb new information and I knew when I could go to the bathroom, aka when they extract the whale's uh, I, brain juice. That was when I accidentally um, went to the bathroom. So I was pretty proud of that. But yeah, I think once Loak got the bond with Hayakon, you were like, oh yeah, the older son, he's not gonna make it. Yeah, he's gotta go. One's gotta go, you know? Somebody's gotta die. I was worried from the trailer that they were going to kill Zoe Saldana. I was um, worried about that and I was pissed. Also, I think one of my other main gripes, I really wish Neytiri had more to do. I think Zoe Saldana's performance in the first one is genuinely great and I know they're planning a bunch of these movies but and I know the kids are a big focus of this one but she just felt a little sidelined to me I hope she gets more to do with Ronal and the seed bearer I think is the title I think we should still workshop the title for sure yeah James call us Kate at what point in viewing the second one did you realize my bit my recurring bit has become a sincere love so I feel like I should talk about my experience of seeing this movie because (laughs) the day this is so stupid. Uh, the day it came out, I, one, got the ceremonial Pandora candle that Abby bought hey. me in the mail, but my friend also brought me Navi face paint, um, and so it did feel like I was getting all these Avatar gifts, and I was like, this feels like a weird esoteric holiday that I invented <laughs> that other people are just, like, have bought into, I guess. Um, and so I really was, like, debating it for a while. I was like, should I, like, go all out on this? Um, and so I did. I did my face and my neck and my arms in this blue paint. Got to the theater with my the three other people I saw it with. None of them had done this. And uh, they two of them were not that excited for Avatar and were kind of just, like, coming along. Um, we took our pictures with the poster and all that. It was fun. They take my ticket and the guy like taking my ticket is like, I love the enthusiasm, <laughs> but face paint is not allowed here. Like you have to go wash this off. Um, so I like oh my frantically s- just like scraped it all off. My- it was so gross. Um, it took forever you to get You should have been off. like, what face paint? Um, yeah. I'm literally here to watch the documentary. I traveled about a long people. way from Pandora to be. <laughs> 
But no, so they made me do that. I didn't miss any of the movie, but it was ridiculous how long it took me to like get all the paint off. Like there was still some the next day. It was kind of a nightmare. Um, and then I would say like just an hour in, like once we get to like the water tribe, I was really just vibing with it. Like I feel like on a rewatch, the first hour or so felt kind of all over the place to me. Um, but I feel like once it gets going, I was just like fully on board with all of this. It's like, I don't know. I feel like just blockbuster filmmaking right now is so bland and like really lacking in like actual care and like effort being put in like behind the camera and so like to see something that was like so well directed like regardless of how you feel about anything else like and like a real technical achievement was like kind of refreshing even though it is like another gigantic blockbuster which like I I don't know um yeah but I I liked it overall too I've seen it twice now I kind of want to go again but I'm also like I don't know if I can put my body through that <laughs> you'd get too drenched yeah. do you put on the face paint and and <laughs> make them force you to take it off each time <laughs> is that why it's so grueling I should because my friend was telling me after she was saying like yeah the other employees were talking to that guy and they were like unaware that that was a rule and so I was like I came no. so close to getting away with it wow. and then later I figured out I was like I bet it's because of Joker that they have that as a rule oh in place yes. which, like, yeah. I guess makes sense but like I don't know <laughs> Yeah, otherwise the perfect crime. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's it's like you said, it's so refreshing to see such like an expert director at the helm. The imagery was transcendent. The action sequences were engaging, but also like you could follow what happened in them, like you knew what was going on. And like that's not easy to do, you know? Like the scene where like Hakayan like wraps the harpoon wire around himself and uses it to like strangle the boat. I just picture that existing in some kind of like conveyor belt Marvel movie and I just feel like I would have no idea what was happening on screen. And and Cameron just like lays it out. It's so perfect. And like so the direction combined with the technical achievement, combined with like, you know, the pretty strong storytelling, I think helps me overlook like I don't know that Cameron and whoever he writes with, I don't know that they're great wordsmiths. Like at the sentence level, the dialogue doesn't really engage me. But I was talking with Abby about it and it was like, well at least it's just kind of like Reflesh- refreshingly unadorned, like like they it's dialogue now. that gets the job done. They yeah. swim, they now. swim now. He's right behind um, me, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm so glad that in three hours of the movie, like there's none of that. There's none of like we're gonna be like we're gonna do a stand up comedy routine while we're like fighting for our ancestral whale brethren. <laughs> like, yeah, and just the lack of. Because Avatar is weird. It's weird, and in an age where there's sex scene discourse, the first one, almost a little too horny for a lot of people, which I respect. But I don't know. I just think it's nice that James Cameron's movies are so sincere and earnest that I feel like a lot of these big franchises or like big genre films, they feel the need to be ahead of their audience 
it's like, okay, we recognize that in real life, uh, Quantumania would be a little crazy, which like, we know that we're here for a big genre film, but to just have something that's really joyful about like building out the world and the lore without feeling the need to wink back towards the audience, like the bar is very low. And I have seen like a lot of good non-franchisee films kind of do this within genre, but it was just really nice to see. Like I could, I'm just one of those nerds who likes getting like a visual encyclopedia or some shit. Like just let me hang out with an elu. I don't need clips. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seeing the Ant-Man trailer twice before seeing this movie now is such like a such a contrast. Cause like the they put the Ant-Man trailer in 3D. I'm still mad they didn't put the Barbie trailer nor the Nicole Kidman pre-roll in 3D. But like the stuff that's going on in the background of any of those Ant-Man scenes in 3D, it's just like it's it doesn't matter it's just so fluffy it's it just you know they've paid the like marble cg content farm to like create some sparks and fireworks and weird little stuff going on in the background and in avatar you really get the feeling like everything on screen is a deliberate choice like james cameron has like poured over this and you know until like everything looked exactly the way he wanted it to this is getting to be a rag on marvel episode which i would say sorry but honestly deserved but it was just wild like i went to see what Honda forever which and I feel like that Ryan Coogler is kind of as good as those things can get especially I totally respect they had an impossible challenge with the second one but there were just so many parallels like there were blue people that lived underwater that were the central kind of new sequel element there was a ton of free diving um god what was the other thing there were just a lot of those similarities and just like the thing with like time to like really flesh out those characters and that mythology and stuff like that it just like I don't know like I don't want every movie to be a billion dollar effort but it's just really nice to see someone who feels really confident in the story that they're telling and the world they're building out I liked that about Matrix Resurrections too which I think was a lot more of a pointed film about current filmmaking but yeah just those kind of movies that are like super sappy and genuine at their core but who have a real message and are really joyful about building out that through their sci-fi and fantasy worlds I would like i don't want more matrix i'll take more avatar for sure yeah kate i want to bring back something you mentioned which i kind of felt like like uh the difference in like anticipation or the difference in like immediate enthusiasm upon opening like sort of calls to mind like uh like obama 08 versus obama 12 or something like not a perfect comparison but like i was like really i was showing up to avatar too like so excited and pumped to like see it with my brother i knew there were whales in it it looked cooler than the first one and yet, I mean, part of the reason like Jen and Sadie aren't on this podcast is like they didn't rush to see it right away. And I would say like a fair number of friends and family who are usually kind of like going to see movies within a week of opening are like still sort of like dragging themselves to the theater to see it. 
but like once they do see it they're like oh holy shit that was that was really good so i don't know have either of you noticed anything similar of like like we're out here like talking about our close personal friends the tolkoon and you have friends who are like what like i haven't seen that yet i was gonna go in january blah 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 i will say that abby you mentioned it being like a very self-contained thing which i agree like by the end of the movie like they've left stuff hanging for three but i'm still satisfied i've gotten a complete story i don't feel like anything's missing but I will say that if you have not rewatched the first Avatar recently in preparation for this, I cannot imagine how just utterly incomprehensible <laughs> the first act of this movie is. Because on a second viewing, I noticed just like specifically how casually they gloss over like Sigourney Weaver's character with like Jake Solivio. That's like, we don't really know what her deal is. <laughs> um, but I saw it with uh, a friend of mine who had seen the re-release with me a few months back and so we were we were ready to go we knew all the lore and then two other people who i don't think had seen the original since theaters and they were kind of like they liked it overall like i think we were all positive on it um but i think they were like yeah honestly did not really know what a lot of that was and i was like yep that's fair i had a similar experience with matrix resurrections where i went to see that with someone who had never seen a matrix movie (laughs) so he was just completely baffled by everything that was happening on screen and i was like I'm sorry, I should have done a better job of explaining this. Can I offer one counterpoint? I largely agree with everything you just said. I do have one exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. So my mom, who has never seen Avatar, doesn't really have any interest in seeing the original. Once I started hyping it up, she's like, okay, I think I'll see this thing sometime. And so I sent her Avatar Explained in Four Minutes on YouTube, which, I mean, that's good if you're in like a jam. Probably wouldn't recommend just watching that and heading in. But she actually really liked it. She saw it with a friend yesterday and she was like, oh, there was actually like a story I was invested in having just seen a video explaining kind of the basics. And I think in that case, just because the first one is so particularly broad, like it's telling that kind of classic epic in a sense. And the characters do fall into these archetypes, which I think Cameron is good at molding personally and like refracting those themes towards. I think just because she could understand like the archetypes that each of these characters were playing into it made it easier for her. But I do agree that that could definitely be something that would really trip people up, especially because the first hour is just lore dumping and that could have been its own entire movie. So I think that's one thing. I think there is still like some of the pervasiveness of like, oh, do people give a shit about Avatar that's been around for so long? And it's three hours. Like we've had all these storms. So it's amazing that it reached a billion dollars. Like clearly something is still resonating with people. But I can definitely understand those reservations, even though you should see it on a very big screen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm still a little mystified of like, it's hit a billion dollars in 14 days. And yet, like, you're the only person on planet Earth that I can text about Pacayan. Um, I don't know. Like, everybody is seeing it, maybe. But I, yeah, I, I guess I am seeing more memes about it. But I guess memes are also like more of a thing now than they were in 2005. 
But I guess I am also seeing more, there's been a critical like resurgence of Avatar 1, especially in like leftist spaces. Like at some point in the late 2010s, people were like, Avatar 1 was like good actually. And James Cameron is actually like, like uh, a warrior king of uh, filmmaking. Um, and uh, I- I'm largely on board with that, mostly from that interview where he like chastised the film executive because he was like Babe Ruth calling his home run, being like, this movie is going to make $2 billion and you're going to be so mad if you don't uh, like embrace it before that happens. Um, we love we love that kind of confidence. Yeah, never bet against Big Jim. Absolutely not. I made my letterbox review something like everyone who bet against Big Jim should have to um, should be outcast from society as is custom for disgraced members of the mighty Tolkien, which we all know after learning the way this. of water. Um, but I think it's also just something where, like, with the Marvel movies and the DC stuff and all that, like, people try to see those as soon as they come out because they don't want to get spoiled and i've seen a few people say like this is not really something that's like easy to spoil um and so like yeah i know people who are like oh yeah i'm planning to see that um or like did see it on christmas or like are like making like very specific plans as to when they're going to get to it and that's just something that's like kind of um like unique in like the current like i would say like movie going world i guess for lack of a better term i think they set it up to have legs as well like there's not really a ton of stuff coming out in the next few months um, or even in December really like Disney didn't have a ton of stuff well yeah obviously that's going to be a big challenger but if it can get past Megan I think it's good Um, it is just nice like you don't feel like you're constantly being funneled in funneled out which I felt a lot with like franchises where it's like oh constantly have to have this content or like Netflix same day release schedules where it very much feels like oh filmmakers and creators really want to be like the topic of the day and be able to generate that revenue and I don't know. I just think especially in a year where we're super closely analyzing every single release to be like, is the future of movie going intact in theaters? Like, it's just nice to see this kind of roll out without that kind of feeling of pressure, but still obviously reach a lot of people. And and like you said, Kate, like it's the storytelling isn't like spoilerable and it it's not reliant on like, oh, did you see when this character did this? Like at its heart, it's like a family story with fairly like universal themes and so I can see coming out of it and like wanting to engage with all the nerdery and arcana around it but I can also see coming out of it and being like yeah there was a story about like a family and the little one and the big one died and the middle child felt uh, outcast or whatever and not really like you know um, becoming a Tolkien pilled um, as we all have been those whales they're so pretty I, love I them. wish I had a Tolkien friend no Tolkien plushie I don't think which is a major oversight. I think there is one, actually. Is there? I thought um, there were just two Elu. Oh, maybe. That's that's what I'm thinking of. You know what? Yeah, because I know there was like a small Elu one and a big Elu one. Uh, and there I've is just a been, Lego like, set of Hayakan and the crab suit. Okay. I love the crab suits. <laughs> yes. I wanted to see Edie Falco in one of those. <laughs> I would want a, a life-size Tolkien plushie. I would buy it if they made one that was <laughs> like 60 the, feet long. The Ikea 
a bohage, but just pack, put some eyeballs on either side. Yeah, my my living room is just the Tolkien <laughs> plushie. Like, you open the door into it, and you have to, yeah, like, squeeze under it to get anywhere else. Um, yeah, I just, like, the second it showed up on screen, I was like, I'm obsessed. You've got four eyes, you speak in papyrus subtitle font, and, like, you're cancelled, you know? Like, the other Tolkien don't like you. I was um, Lydia like Tar this- of the Sea. Yes! <laughs> I was waiting to move back into Tar. I mean, both three-hour-long films I very much enjoyed in 2022, and both dealing with, you know, themes of social alienation. Mm-hmm. And that may be where the similarities hunters. end. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, no I, think we can, I think we can get there. I think we can make them the same movie Tell with the enough audience. It was that head cannoning. The audience your pitch about where Lydia Tarrett's exiled. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, because, uh, is it Kate Wayne? Let's character someone uh no it's the guy that's harvesting like um it's the marine Evil biologist Australian. guy on the ship and he's like the tolkoon are so intelligent they can write symphonies and i was like the mm. end of tar should have been that she is exiled to pandora because of cancel <laughs> culture and forced to conduct the whale symphonies that kate winslet is so obsessed with apparently <laughs> perfection yes Abby sent that to me, and then we joked about uh, Lydia Tarr bonding with Payakan, being like, "I know what it's, I know what it's like to be canceled." <laughs> <laughs> and then they could be bonded, and I just really need to see now Lydia Tarr like holding on to Payakan's fin, just like we need to queer Tolkien culture, but Tolkien culture is already very. Queer. I want to hear Lydia Tarr do a bad Navi accent. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you laugh when the Tolkien said in subtitle font, um, I am good. How is your baby? <laughs> or like, once I got I over there, I was too me. locked in. <laughs> I was locked the fuck in. The first time I thought it was funny, and the, the, the second time I was so Tolkien pilled that I was just like, yeah, the Tolkien's just like catching up. Like, yeah, yeah well, how you what's been? the Tolkien supposed to say? You know, it should have said sup. <laughs> like, sup, bro. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Is there a word for idiot and Navi that Jake Sully just doesn't know? that all the kids are using because I think that would be fun well they do the thing where like the framing device at the beginning that's like I got so familiar with Navi that it started to sound like English to me which is like okay and then the rest of the movie is in English from there yeah Um, that was smart I do want to shout out the Sully family photo which I'm upset that I didn't get a holiday card I guess it would take a long time to put the holiday cards into cryo but in like 2029 I'm hoping to get the card what would it say it would be like this year we you have to learn fought off a first. sky people invasion um i'm just thinking about my mormon family's holiday cards and how <laughs> it's all just like bragging about what everyone has achieved that year um and what, what what the Sullys would have to say for themselves. I will say one line of dialogue I did really like is like, he was hard on one of his kids and he was like, do you read me? And one of his kids was like, Oscar Mike or used some sort of like earth military slang as a mm-hmm. way of kind of like 
like, fuck you. You're like, you know, you're bringing like your like human ways into this family or something. I thought that was well done. I have a question. In light of Obama's recent favorites of 2022 list, do we think that Jake Sully would listen to and completely misinterpret American Teenager by Ethel Kane? <laughs> wait, wait, Obama liked Ethel Kane? Oh, yeah. yeah but it- I told you about this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, My brain is a sieve. In the same way that, like, a Jake Sully type would be, like, really into, like, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen (laughs) and, like, throw it on at the 4th of July barbecue. Like, maybe... I feel like Courage would like Avatar Courage would be really into Born in the USA. Yeah. Oh god. Well, I like I'm just picturing the- Avatar Jake playing like Zeppelin for his <laughs> Navi ki- kids, being like, "You, you guys don't understand. This is great." It's like Ethan Hawke in Boyhood. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta understand. Like, oh god. One other unrelated note I would like to touch on. I wa- I rewatched Nope. Well, yeah, last night, which good movie. This also good movie. And I think it's been a great year for horse girl cinema, which like with Nope, it's pretty obvious. They're horse trainers. But I think the whole like tokun, outcast tokun is very much like girl that brings home a horse that her dad doesn't really care about. She's like, I'm not giving up my dream dad. I'm giving up yours. This horse is the real deal. And then he is very inspiring. Kiri also has Kiri, kind of Kiri horse girl massive personality horse girl energy without having a horse well it's like her and the elu her and like all of the animals yeah she would definitely tear it up and dressage or some girl. shit mm-hmm. i did like kiri uh speaking of conducting like um moving all the little glowfish around that was a highlight for me i thought sigourney weaver was fun as a child i i think it's one of her best performances in ages i am obsessed yeah i think she's really good in the movie but she has this one line that my sister and i have been saying to each other non-stop lately um where it's like it's after loak returns from like his adventures with the tolkoon and she says something like brother the ocean has gifted you with a, like something like that it is, it is absolutely hysterical this. for some reason um but yeah i think she's like like I, the voice is like a little distracting like once i like was like oh that's sigourney weaver um but like other than that like, i kind of got over it and i think she will be like that bisexual liberal liberal arts student who's like do you want to go to my gallery opening in 10 years and i love that for her she'll paint underwater seascapes with bioluminescent um fauna you know like i want to see that i want that invite i have two i have one plot question that still remains after seeing it a second time which is where the hell do the Metcaina go in the final battle? Because it's like, when it starts, it's like everybody versus the ship. And then we're just down to like the Sullies. And there's no line of like, we're going to go regroup Jake or like, oh, we have to go escort the Tolkoon back to safety or something. But like, suddenly they're all just gone. And I that's would be my only. When I came back to the <laughs> yeah. Metcaina. <laughs> they're just like chilling they're just like because yeah. they're pretty pacifist other than that and Soraya the daughter she's there the whole time like no one comes back to be like hey where did Soraya go so I'm not really sure yeah, her parents just like bounce right them being like pacifists 
mostly. Kate, do you have any insight? Well, I just thought, I just assumed they just retreated or whatever, because the yeah. end, it, like, the scope of the battle becomes, like, just down to that ship, and I was like, I just assumed they're off running their little errands or whatever. I don't know <laughs> what they're doing. They, they wanted to beat the traffic on the way, on the way yeah, back. traffic was rough. <laughs> Oh, God. How warm do we think the water is? That's not a plot question. That's just uh, me trying to imagine myself as a Metcayene question. It looked pretty nice. Yeah. Like, where is it? Like, in Polynesia, where there's just kind of similar, like, those huts that are out on bridges and, like, the bright blue water. I was getting that kind of vibe. Uh, my yeah. my lingering question was, like, okay, so Pandora isn't, like, the Star Wars thing where it's just, like, the entire planet is just one city. Like, we've got the forest, we've got the sea people, all that stuff. Wouldn't, shouldn't the languages be, like, I don't know, wouldn't they be speaking an entirely different language? Like... I don't know. It's like such a minor quibble, but I was like hung up on that for some reason. <laughs> they do have their own underwater language. That's true. That is a good point. <laughs> but I, I was also what can they like, um, can they, speaking of hybrids, can they breed? Because I think we're definitely like uh, headed there romantically with um We gotta get into child. these other guys. Yeah, we gotta get into the romance of it all. That's a good question. I mean, like, a brain-dead avatar body did give birth to, like, Pandora Space Jesus, so I think it might just get weirder. I hope so. <laughs> I, I hate that that sentence means, means <laughs> something to me. Yeah. Well, so the romantically, it seems like what they're setting us up for is um, middle child with Kate Winslet's daughter. Yeah. And Curie with Spider, maybe? No. I'm Get a job. I'm so against that. <laughs> Stay away from her. <laughs> I really oppose. I really oppose that. I saw someone phrase it like he might be the Judas if she's like this, not to go with the space Jesus metachlorian shit too much. But like, it is kind of an unspoken family betrayal where like right as they've kind of claimed him as a son which has another layer I do not like he has unbeknownst to them helped Courage survive. So I think it could be like a tragic arc, but I am not into it. Spider has his own shit to deal with. I think I'm out for the sapphic shit. So Kiri and Soraya seem to have a nice friendship. Would prefer that love triangle. Or honestly, like Kiri and the sea. Like her and nature yeah. is a better pairing. I was gonna say the ocean should just be her girlfriend. Like I yeah, I think that's girlfriends. fulfilling enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. most relatable moment in the movies when she's just staring at the sea. I was like, she's so me. Um, Kiri and Spider would be unprecedented levels of age gap discourse, I Liquor feel like. pizza who? <laughs> oh, God. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know that, I guess, but it's also, like, kind of weird, like, to have, like, oh, well, um, like, Soraya is just, like, the guy I was dating died, yes, I'll get with his younger brother? Yeah, like, we, I, I don't know. Like, our Arguments that she should have had kind of a blossoming romantic connection with Nateum, so then he would have a thing. But I really don't like that trope of like, I'm gonna date my late siblings' love interest. So I'm glad that didn't happen. It was cute. And also, I don't know how quickly Navi aged, but I think it was smart to be like, these kids were pretty young when they started. They're like 13, 14 in the movie. So I'm glad that it didn't turn into a full on, like, we gotta have a teen romance there. So I definitely care about the Tolkoon more than 
one I care about Wolak, but at least it's a little bit of a slow burn and she didn't date his brother, bare minimum, but yeah. we'll see. On the villain angle, the worst part of myself wants to see Korich uh, and Edie Falco in the mech suit. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. I want to see Avatar Edie Falco. That would be really powerful. I fully had for... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. You go. I had fully forgotten Uh that Edie Falco was in it. So when she showed up in a mech suit, like with a big coffee cup made specially for her mech suit, I was just like (laughs) very just like disoriented, blurry Mr. Krabs meme. (laughs) Wasn't Courage also a coffee guzzler in human form in the first one? Yeah, because the Avatar, yes. the Avatar Twitter account remained very active in the 13-year gap between movies. Like, they would just treat the most random shit. I'm so fond of them. And there was one from, like, a year ago where it's like, if you think Korch is bad now, wait till he's had his coffee or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just like I if your dad... Yeah, if your dad ran, like, a major properties Twitter account, and I really love it. I would also be down for... I don't really care about, like, homoeroticism in the military unless it's like Archie fighting World War One on a football field on the CW's Riverdale. Shout out. Um, but I do think it would be interesting to lean a little more into like because I think there's an inherent homoeroticism between like these like male machismo <laughs> with like Jake and Korich. I wouldn't mind a little more tension there because we all know Neytiri could have done better but like it's okay. It's like when you see like your straight friend and you're like love is love I guess. Whatever. Um, but I liked the tension between Natir and Ronal. I wish we got more of like, because there's a lot of father-son stuff. And like, I love all the stuff with Kiri. I did feel like the older female characters were a bit sidelined. So I would enjoy a little homoeroticism in my avatar. Like, it's already a little freaky with the tales. Let's get in there. Did, did you both know Kate Winslet was in it before seeing oh. it? Because I saw her name oh, come up absolutely. in the credits. <laughs> that, that's, that was a cornerstone of our bit. Because Kate watched Titanic for the first time. What was it? like January of this year and was like have you guys seen Titanic? That thing kind of rules like first time. (laughs) So we had a big Titanic renaissance phase and we were very excited after the picture of Kate Winslet holding her breath underwater came out. So we were Ronal stands since like the only image was White Kid with dreadlocks of this movie. We were ready. And like she came on, she served cunt and then her name was in the credits and sometimes that's enough. Yeah. James Cameron really has a thing for pregnancy that yeah. that much is clear from this yeah. <laughs> Abby I think I texted you earlier this year like I think I said like happy international women's day and you responded with the picture of Kate Winslet underwater <laughs> in her <laughs> that's the important takeaway for I do exactly. think it is hilarious how she gave interviews for like two decades rightfully so where it's like I was in the water for six months it was miserable we all got spiked clam chowder well it was a good movie but not a filming experience i would want to get it and she's like yeah james has really mellowed out and then he's like get in this tank and hold your breath for seven minutes like 20 feet down but oh my gosh yeah i love like when i saw that you have to see it in 3d because when i saw the trailer i was like James Cameron invented a new underwater camera for this. Like, you know, it's all compressed. It's on your, 
putts on your computer and you're like, why would you invent a whole new underwater camera if you're just going to put cartoon people in it? And then you see it in 3D and you see the way the water moves and how realistic like the motion is on the characters. And you're like, I get it, James. I'm sorry for doubting you. Maybe Please I'm don't just cocoon pilled. And I know it won't be the same once it's on Disney Plus, which I don't know if you noticed in your award season email from Disney, it is not listed among their like for your consideration screener titles. Like Big Jim is like, uh uh uh, you are not getting this digital screener for a hot second. But I don't know. I feel like I'll still like enjoy putting it on like every once in a while at home. Like I think it just looks so much better than anything I've seen. In the past several years that I'm still excited but yeah the 3D is a must. I think seeing the re-release um, because like after that they did like a here's a little five minute preview of the way of water and that scene they, that we got I know people had different ones um, was like the first scene where the kids are underwater and I was just like oh this thing is going to make 10 billion dollars <laughs> like it just looked so like already like because I saw the first one in the IMAX 3D and I was like, oh, this looks a lot better than I had given it credit for in the past. Mm-hmm. And then that scene, I was like, oh, that looks a million times better than the entire movie I just watched. Like, I, I don't know. I got Tolkien you- War completely out of context for my scene. They're like, see, kid, what you got to know about the mighty Tolkien. We don't know what Tolkien's are at this point. So I think the water sequence is better. But I completely agree with that. I think the re-release was a smart call. <sighs> I'm mad I didn't go. My brother went and I should have gone. Did it also do 60 frames per second sequences? No, I don't think so. Um, I So I've seen this movie twice now. I saw it in just like regular 3D IMAX. And then I saw it in the Dolby Cinema, which is apparently like the format that the like filmmakers have been like, this is the thing it was designed for. And the high frame yeah. rate was a lot more noticeable in that. Um, like it was kind of overwhelming. Um, and I'm kind of like still trying to decide like, which I preferred because like in the IMAX I I don't know if it was less present or if I just like didn't notice it as much um, I but... saw it in normal 3D and it felt more definitely the most natural I've ever seen kind of like the high frame rate so yeah I think that is interesting sorry go on no that was oh, um... that was it <laughs> <laughs> So I've seen it in the Dolby Laser 3D, and you can definitely tell when it's 60 and when it's 30. And part of what I didn't like about it is like, like they, it seems like they split the difference when they're like transitioning from 60 down to 30. And it sort of looks like it's like stuttering for a second, but it's just either like your eye adjusting or like the movie itself, like shifting between the frame rates. And then I saw it in regular 3D and it it seemed more uh, less jarring when it goes in and out and I'm going to go see it in IMAX. But there, I don't know, my brother was like, we need to find a single laser IMAX rather than a double laser IMAX. If you really want to get into the weeds of this stuff, there's like whole threads on Reddit of like people comparing their format experiences. And why not? What else are you going to go see? Babylon? No. It's like with the the Dolby, which is the second time I saw it, I was like, when they were doing that thing you were talking about where it's like shifting between the frame rates, I was like, 
is the projector about to explode? Like, (laughs) it felt like it could, like, almost physically not handle the movie at points, um, which was, like, a very strange experience, because, like, I've seen some high frame rate stuff before, like, I think I saw one of the Hobbit movies in it, and, like, my reaction to that was just, like, this just looks bad. Like, whereas, like, I feel like Cameron is, like, the success of it, I think, in Way of Water is, like, kind of a mixed bag, but, like, I can see more what they were going for with it i almost yeah, wish they'd... it's amazing to me oh go ahead sorry Abby. i almost wish they'd saved it until they entered the water for the first time to really make it pop but i guess he was kind of like easing audiences into it at the same time yeah it's it's incredible to me that in like however many years of 3d movie going this and avatar one are the only like experiences i've had with 3D that have been like, yeah, that was great. Like, they tried to make 3D TVs a thing for, like, my entire 20s, and it just, like, didn't work, because nobody likes it, but James Cameron can can pull it off. Part of me wants to, like, try and track down and buy a 3D TV, like, yes. not for this movie, not because I'm like, I just gotta watch it all the time, because, like, like I talk about Avatar and now this a lot, but it's not, like, one of my favorite movies or anything but i feel like the gimmick of that is like just something i'm like interested in even if i don't really like it a lot of the time um this october i watched all of the resident evil movies for some reason (laughs) and the ones of those that are supposed to be in 3d are like really the most egregious use of it where it just like does not work at home um where like stuff is flying out of the screen at you but like not really because you're watching it in 2d um, and I feel like neither of the Avatar movies really do that, where it's, like, super obvious that he's using it. I don't know. And people agree, though. Oh, I did see a kid, like, reaching out for the fish at one Aww. point, and it was pretty cute. <laughs> it was all worth it. Yeah, and I leaned over and I was like, the kid's not, the fish isn't real, kid. Get a grip, you know? Yeah, can you even name uh, you're the name of one fish? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, gosh, what else should we say about this movie before we we rate it? You know, I I did prepare notes, but I will have to pull. <laughs> Look at those notes. Let's see what we, we have covered. I think we covered most of it. We got to go through the notes. Yeah, got to learn the way of water. Um, on what date do you think like like it's normal to teach someone the way of water? Like what base <laughs> is? Mm-hmm. This? Are they met Kaina? Because then it's like. Let's that's a, that's a situation shift. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess. I don't know. This is a very half-formed thought. Um, but let's say, like, a... No, I like this. A hypothetical... It seems like something you scribble on a napkin to, like, for a stand-up set, you know, yeah. for your workshop. What's the deal with the mech hyena? But, yeah, let's say a hypothetical, like, Loak Soraya situation. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, like, third date, you know? Yeah. Like, that's when you can learn the deep breathing. It's like, okay, the way of water, we all know this, it has no beginning, it has no end, yada, yada, yada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like that they, like, um, 
it's funny to me that they're like, hey, why can't you swim? Like, you're so slow. And it's like, you ha- literally haven't taught them the like special deep breathing technique that like it's, you all learn as children. They're such like, assholes at first. It's so funny. They're just like, these guys suck at diving. Look at their shitty tails. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see them hopping around the, the heavenly forest. Do uh, we think that the Metcayene will get to see them in movie three visit the the floating forest rocks i hope so i have no idea what three could even possibly be and we're probably gonna get four and five now i was a little worried for a little but yeah uh planet earth trying to stop people from seeing avatar by like covering it in ice for three days Uh Um, not cool but james can't be defeated you know he just went out there with uh, with a blow dryer melted all the roads second time james cameron has been defeated by a big ice (laughs) oh god well so the third one is subtitled the sea bear abby do you have rampant speculation about wild speculation about what will happen in number three as we all know the third avatar's working title is avatar the seed bearer we also if we're working under the theory that kiri is the child of awa awa was mainly present for the omedikaya within jesus christ none of this is in the bible um within the spirit tree and what do trees have they have seeds so i think one interpretation it could be kiri really diving into her origins and harnessing those newfound powers in connection with Awa. The other one, the other possibilities get a little weird. Um, there's a big giant seed at the entrance to Avatar- Disney World, the land of Avatar. So that could be something. I'm hoping it's Kiri-centric. I would like that. I'm oh, sorry. You know I haven't been. <laughs> <laughs> you, I think you're the only one who's been to the, is you're asking about the Disney World Avatar land? I haven't been, but I really want to. Is it yeah. I think like we this we all need to go together now. And this is like the, the natural outgrowth of this podcast episode. The sequel to this episode should be recorded from Live Avatar from Land. <laughs> we are one with Awa now. Do you guys have any yeah. theories about the seed bearer? Part of me is just like, there's no way they let him keep that title. But then again, mm. they let him make this movie, and it doesn't seem like there were a lot of notes <laughs> from <laughs> Disney or Fox on this one. So I fully expect to go see Avatar the Seed Bearer in theaters December 2024. Yeah, I feel like he'll fight for the title out of his pregnancy fetish. He'll be like, it has to be Seed Bearer. Like, I... Uh. James, I love you. You're a little weird. That's okay. Uh, Keep doing king shit in movies. Um, what would we rate Avatar The Way of Water out of five? Uh, and you can use any object from the movie uh, as your as the denominator in your scale. Hmm. I think I would give it a four out of five. I have my quibbles with the movie, but I think it is a really refreshing, exciting piece of blockbuster filmmaking. I will give one to the Ewu, one to the Tulkun, one to the Skimway, one to the Ekron, and then I need to give something to Edie Falco's coffee cup. So four out of five. I will give it four uh, severed whaler arms mm. out of five. 
Every time I have seen it in theaters, I have applauded when the harpoon uh, wailing dude uh, gets his limb torn off by the wire, and no one else has applauded with me, <laughs> but I will do it every time. Your brother needs to get his shit together. Oh, he'll, he, he joins me, but, you know, two yeah. alone, you know? We all need our hearts beating as one, and the people of the AMC, like, they're not feeling it. We'll say that got a big reaction out of the theater the first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it was at like 2 p.m. on a weekday, so like that was not the case then. Um, I'm gonna give this four sea anemones used as a murder weapon out of five. Yes, um, that was basically like when I, um, because like like Abby, I also have my problems with it, but like the first time when she like connects to the sea anemone and then like uses it to like drown that submarine, basically like with the power of her mind, I was like, I'm levitating <laughs> right now. This is what cinema was made for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very pro and i see i will basically am willing to hear any argument about it and i'm like that is probably valid but like a lot of it i'm just kind of like i don't know more willing to dismiss because i just like admire that it's such a big swing that like seems to have paid off agree yeah this has been such a treat kate i usually ask our guests where they can be found. Do you want to be found? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at KCNoun. Um, I just kind of post random shit, sometimes writing, sometimes other stuff. Um, I'm I'm around, so I'm also on that handle. I'm, um, sorry, I can't speak. Uh, I'm under that uh, handle on Letterboxd as well. Um, if you want to see my deranged, half-formed thoughts on any movie, you probably can and will. <laughs> Um, yeah. This is our first Letterboxd plug ever in the history of the show. Abby is trying to get me onto Letterboxd. She says it's where all the oomphies hang out, you know? Um, and if I want to be, if I want to be cool, I got to get on it. Uh, maybe I will. Abby, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, at Abby E. Montiel. I write about movies, TV, gay shit. So follow for that. And then my letterbox is just my name, Abby Montiel. And I think there's nothing cooler than cataloging your media consumption. So that's all I have to say. Are people on Letterboxd, like, using their full names? Or, like, what's the culture there? You don't have um, to. I just, yeah, I have my first name and, like, my last initial, but, like, nothing more than that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, there's an entire avatar section on account settings. Very exciting. Oh, interesting. Oh, I actually <sighs> saw that yesterday and, like, was looking at it, and it took me a second to realize what they actually meant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they meant we're going back to Pandora for the seed bearer. Yes. Well, you can find uh, us at YSSTOG on Twitter. You can email us at YSSTOGpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can like, subscribe, rate, review, etc. And if you're a patron who wants to hear your name read aloud, too bad, because Sadie is not with us and I have no access to that information. I've been banned. <laughs> for summoning funds. <laughs> I've, 
summoning what's the word siphoning yeah yes siphoning funds to build my underwater submarine Uh, this is what happened to Lydia Tarr and Bakayan and cancel culture (laughs) just knows no bounds yeah I've been canceled from our Patreon and uh, (laughs) that's why you can't hear your name but you will on our next episode which will be as previously promised the most monumental event in human history so prepare yourself and uh, thank you Abby and Kate.